we got a lot to talk about from Tuesday's games. It's Wednesday, July 20th. It's Fantasy Baseball today. Back to the three-man group. Scott White is back here with Al Albuquerque Melchior. What's going on, fellas? Hey, don't give away my quick pitcher. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> funniest name in baseball, Al Albuquerque. Probably the funniest name. We should have mentioned it months ago. That's It's why he's the quick pitch today. Yeah, just because of the name. So that's coming up later on. We're also going to talk about the Mets and Phillies bullpens because two guys got saves last night. Uh, one was Jason Isringhausen, the other Antonio Bastardo. That's coming up later. Um, we have a trade to announce. The Astros trade Jeff Kepinger to the Giants for two minor league pitchers, and the Astros will bring up second baseman Jose Altuve. So, guys, let's do the quick, the short version, no pun intended, or pun intended, I guess, of this trade because Jose Altuve is another quick pitch that we're going to look at in about a half hour. But real quick, what do we need to know about Jose Altuve? Uh, had a breakout year in the minors, or at least appears to have had one. And, uh, yeah, I think he's worth looking into, certainly in deeper leagues, and he's going to be an intriguing player. Not necessarily a, a legit top-of-the-line prospect, but somebody whose numbers make him worth watching. And the pun was that he is five foot five, reportedly. Yeah. Very short player. Probably the shortest player in baseball. So... Email us, DM, fantasybaseball at cbs.com. He is in Drayton, Emerson, McLean, fantasybaseball at cbs.com. Tomorrow, social media Thursday. So send us your tweets at CBS Fantasy News. I really, I guess I should say tweet us. I'm just not, I'm not that good with the Twitter lingo. Tweet us at CBS Fantasy News. And follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy. So here we go with three up, three down. Three up number one is Dexter Fowler. So Dexter Fowler has a new batting stance, Al. Uh, he's driven in. Uh, he drove in three runs with three hits Tuesday. He had been hitless in his previous three games, so we don't want to make too much of this. But he's also scored a run in five straight games, and he has two steals in those five games. And he's only owning 16% of leagues. Yep, encouraging little sample there. So um, you know Fowler has really struggled uh, a lot, a lot more really than the, the Rockies would have liked. So uh, he's a wait and see, I think, both for Rockies and for fantasy owners. But uh, at least getting off to a good start. Brandon Belt called back up, and he had a big day. He had a home run. He went two for three. Two he, for four, actually. Oh, two for four. Sorry. Yeah. So he went two for four, but he still had a good day. It was a good day. He's owned in 29% of leagues. What do you think about Brandon Belt? I think if, if this is a sign of things to come, he's going to stick around finally. It was it really only a matter of time for him. Obviously got set back with that wrist injury. Um, Aubrey Huff uh, dealing with his, his back issues. I think he's probably going to wind up on the DL just because we've seen other players with similar issues take that same route. And, and as awful as, as Huff has been this year, Belt might be able to take the job and run with it. So he's still uh, still a borderline option in mixed leagues, but somebody well worth watching. So he's not necessarily a guy that, let's say you're carrying somebody on your roster that's just not performing. Um, we'll talk about Bobby Abreu later, but Matt Joyce hasn't been that good. Uh, is, is Brandon Belt the kind of guy that you would drop someone who's somewhat established to take a shot on, on Brandon Belt? If it's somebody who's not producing, like, say, an Aubrey Huff, uh, I think he is because uh, the first base options that are 
you know, at the replacement level, really aren't aren't all that great in standard mixed leagues. So he's worth certainly worth the shot. And I think if you compare him to a lot of the other players that have been called up this year, you know, most of them really haven't panned out. I think Belt shows at least as much, if not more, promise than any of them. But just to his his Al's example was Aubrey Huff. Your example was Matt Joyce. There, yeah, that's big a big difference. difference. I want to drop Joyce for him because he has uh, yeah. has still been good enough, particularly with those two home runs right after the All-Star break. There, there's still a lot to like about somebody like Joyce. But. Oh, speaking of two home runs, nice work there, Scott. Two home runs for Dan Ugla yesterday. He's on an 11-game hitting streak, and he hit them off of Ubaldo Jimenez, who, uh, from what I saw that game, looked pretty darn good. Uh, what do you think about Ugla right now? Yeah, he's back. He's back because he's been warming up over the last two or three weeks. He's back. So he is back. you say. Get him. Get him active. Hopefully you didn't drop him. Uh, understandable if he did. But, uh, no, he needs to be on active rosters now pretty much everywhere. And the fact that he did it against Ubaldo Jimenez, who's been pretty good since about April, uh, yeah. better than his overall stat line would indicate, uh, that's also a very nice sign. Three down, three players trending down. Number one is Evan Longoria. He is hitting 170 with one home run and nine RBIs in July. How concerned are you about Evan Longoria, who also has a, a bit of a, an injury issue that he's downplaying? Right, and if not for that injury issue, I would be 0% concerned. But because of that issue, which Joe Madden describes as a toothache in his foot, it's it's a nerve issue that, you know, I, I imagine if, if that's the pain it sounds like, it, it's pretty intense. It's not every step he takes, but... When it when he does take it, it, it hurts him, and I can imagine that would affect him sometimes in the batter's box. I, I'm still not that concerned. I still think he's going to be one of the best third basemen in fantasy. Just too much track record. Um, so I, I I would just keep him active and 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 trust that he'll turn it around eventually. Russell Martin is number two in three down. Russell Martin 0 for four yesterday. He is now hitting 219. I'm still. I'm surprised he's still owned in 87% of leagues, started in 66%. Well, there's a few factors that work in his favor. One is uh, the the cap that he wears yes. with the NY on it. Uh, so he he you know has some opportunities to produce some runs in that lineup if he can you know just uh, get his bat going a little bit. The uh, gear that he wears too. Yeah, that's another factor. <laughs> and that's the second factor yes. because there aren't a whole lot of better options with the guys who wear the tools of ignorance. So. Well, is there anybody that you'd drop him for that, that you could yeah. think of? There, there we talked are, about Wilson Ramos on Sunday. I, I probably wouldn't drop him for Ramos yet, but if, uh, say, Kurt Suzuki, he's been pretty hot since the break. If he keeps it going, I'd be willing to drop Martin for him. Um, there, there are times when Jonathan LaCroix looks good enough that he uh, – that I, I think I might prefer him over Martin. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think Martin's undroppable at this point. I think, given his recent track record, this current stretch he's on is a little more believable than what he was doing at the beginning of the season. And Bobby Abreu is third and three down. I'll let Scott talk about Bobby Abreu because you're Scott. You're starting him yeah. in the uh, pod. You're all, you're Scott. Yeah, and you're starting him <laughs> in the in the podcast league. He's hitting 167 in July, and he's owned in 88 percent of leagues. Yeah, it's been a rough month for him. And uh, power-wise, it's been a rough year for him. Down to three home runs this year. When I think. I think he bounced back with the 2020 season last year. It was actually the batting average that was down. If it wasn't 2020, it was close to it. So uh, a guy in his late 30s, it's not understandable for him to start losing some power. 
But I still think in head-to-head leagues, he is a viable option, potentially even a starter because of the walk rate. Um, and, he, and he does still steal a decent number of bases. So, so there is stuff to like there. I feel like his July is mostly just a slump. I wouldn't expect a power resurgence, but he's still in the top 40 outfielders in fantasy, I think. So just for a utility spot, Belts or Abreu? I would go with Abreu for now, but Belt... Abreu is a lot closer than Matt Joyce is to being a guy I would consider dropping to right. take the chance on Belt. It depends on if you're relying on Abreu on an every-week basis or not. So let's move on and talk about the rotation. Five pitchers from Tuesday's games that caught our eye. Number one, Michael Pineda. Well, he has been pretty bad in his last two outings. Last night in Toronto, he got roughed up. And actually, I give you guys credit because uh, we, we had an email about this on Sunday, and you said he's not an, a must-start even in a two-star week this week. Is there an innings limit, first of all, because there seemed to be some news that they're being cautious with uh, the amount of pitches and innings, some, some more recent news. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a bad couple of outings for Pineda. Well, the most recent thing I've seen about Pineda is that they have mapped out a, um, a schedule for him, so they're going to take advantage of days off. So this is sort of the Phil Hughes uh, syndrome from last year where there could be weeks where you don't get to use Pineda at all down the stretch. And then once they get to September... It sounds like he could be shut down. So um, usage is going to be pretty spotty for Pineda going forward, it, it looks like. And I'm not completely sure he's going to be as productive when he's out there because he's up over or getting close to the amount of innings he threw last year, 139 and a third, and that was a career high for him, I think. Yeah, and, and they uh, shut him down at the be- end of last year. Because he got tired. Right. So. It's not uncommon for young pitchers, even if their teams stick with them, to to have a hard time in the second half. I'm not saying Pineda is, is going to be useless and you need to cut him and all that, but you are uh, might be running short on time to sell high on him. Still great long-term, but yeah, this year. Last night, a quality start for Jake Peavy against the Royals. Six innings, three runs, seven hits, one walk, five strikeouts. It really wasn't a great start. Um, 79% ownership. He started in 35% of leagues. Well, I'm encouraged by the 5Ks and the one walk. I did not see what the strike-to-ball ratio was, which could be a critical thing for him because the, his uh, real sticking point the last few starts, I think really since he's come off the DL, has been command. But uh, not a great start, but a, I think an encouraging one. Okay, encouraging start for PB. James McDonald. So he had a two-star week against two good lineups, Cincinnati and St. Louis, and we mentioned he was good at home. So he was interesting this week, but, you know, tough lineups at home, but six and a third scoreless last night against the Reds, and he struck out seven, and he's owning 30% of leagues, guys. I don't think I like McDonald as much as Al does because six and a third innings, I feel like, is pretty much the limit of what you're going to get with him, and there's so many walks mixed in sometimes. Uh, you know, his strikeout-to-walk ratio isn't even two-to-one. So uh, he's still he's still a, a developing pitcher and uh, just a fringe guy in mixed leagues, I feel like. I, I, I can agree with pretty much all of that, a fringe guy, but, you know, he is at least on the fringe, so... He's, he's worth using in a, in a – well, he would have been worth using in a week like this if he had actually gotten the two starts he was initially uh, tabbed to get. But at least he produced well in this one start. This looked like a good matchup going in, and, and he did produce. 
So he's not getting the second start. He is not, no. Uh, He and Charlie Morton swapped uh, Ah. positions. Brandon Beachy is fourth in the rotation. Beachy was bad yesterday. He got roughed up by the Rockies in Coors Field. I'm wondering if it had anything to do with the 10 or 11 days rest he was on, six earned runs. I'm thinking that had a lot to do with it, and at Colorado had a lot to do with it too. Um, Ball's been flying out pretty well there lately, and he gave up a couple homers, a a three-run shot to Tulo, and I think a two-run shot to Cargo. Like how those Rockies star names there. They just yeah. come out of the mouth Well, with such ease. Yeah, when I used to read their batting order in my head, I would go Tulo, Cargo, Helto. <laughs> <laughs> it just that worked. Works, yeah. It worked for me. Uh, like but it. is this a concern? No. If anything, this might give you a chance to buy low on Beachy. His innings count is still low because of the injury he had earlier. I still like him a lot. And now let's talk about Guillermo Moscoso, fifth in the rotation today. Bad start yesterday in Detroit, four and two-thirds, six earned run. But he still has an ERA under three, but what does that start mean for his future in the A's rotation? Well, at this point, uh, we can't really know. Um, It certainly doesn't help him because Tyson Ross's return looks to be imminent. Um, But I would say even with the start, uh, it's... It's not time to drop him in the AL only leagues that you might own Moscoso in, but um, you know that's that's the thing is you know I talked yesterday about how uh, you know he gets a lot of pop ups and that helps him especially at home, but he's generally a fly ball guy and you know you live by the fly ball you die by it and he he got clobbered by it uh, with yes. a couple of home runs on uh, Tuesday night so. Uh, he I, I mean I would say unless you hear otherwise it's probably fairly safe to assume that he's going to get at least another start. Yesterday was a fairly healthy day. We don't have too many injuries to report, but Pablo Sandoval does have tightness in his quad, and that's a bit of a concern because he's already missed some time with quad problems this year. Right now, it doesn't seem serious. Any take on this, guys? I think any time you hear about a a leg tightness of any sort, it could end up being much worse than it initially appears, but uh, they're not talking about it as more than a day-to-day injury right now. We all know that's how Jose Reyes started. His wasn't a quad, but you get the idea. Yeah. Particularly for a big guy like Sandoval, something to keep an eye on. Ben Zobris fouled the ball off his leg. He could play tonight, so another one that doesn't look too bad. No timetable yet for Grady Sizemore's return, but it is a bone bruise in the knee and not something more serious. Clay Buckholtz is going to throw off a mound on Friday. If that goes well, he could begin a rehab assignment after that. So this is Fantasy Week 16 we're in now. So what are we thinking? Fantasy Week 18? That's what I was just going to say. Probably not 17. Roy Halladay feeling better and is expected to make his next start. Ryan Terrio facing a two-game suspension. We don't know if he's going to appeal that just yet, um, but it usually gets peeled. We'll see. Scott Rowland dealing with soreness in his right shoulder. He has missed two straight games. Anything uh, Anything there? Uh, just that Dusty Baker had said that he was giving Rowland a little bit of extra rest since he didn't get it during the All-Star break. Not sure if there's anything to read in between the lines there, uh, but it's Scott Rowland, so you sort of accept that he's going to miss time here and there. When you, when you put him on your roster anyway. Maybe Dusty Baker was just saying, I can't believe he actually started in the All-Star game. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Maybe. And then there's that. <laughs> when will Eric Bedard return now? Uh, well, it looks like not on Saturday, as initially hoped by the Mariners. So uh, I would say that Week 17 is a much more likely scenario uh, as he's had another uh, bit of a setback in his return. 
And Hank Conger was sent down by the Angels to make room for Tyler Chatwood. Let's look at some more from around baseball, then we will quick pitch. We start out with some closer situations in the Northeast, in the NLE. So it looks like Jason Isringhausen is the guy to pick up. Um, we talked about the most added list yesterday, me and Al, and Bobby Parnell was number one. I think Isringhausen was number four. Mm-hmm. But Isringhausen got the save yesterday. Parnell worked the eighth inning, and it looks like uh, the Mets want Jason Isringhausen to be their closer for now, right? For now is the key word there. He's the guy uh, Terry Collins is going with at first because he has experience in the role and has obviously had a bounce-back season. But I think Bobby Parnell, obviously much younger, uh, they want him to eventually overtake Isringhausen. They want him to claim the role, hopefully, for beyond this year. So they're going to give him some chances somewhere along the line. Uh, but for now, it looks like Isringhausen is, is going to get the more more chances, so he should be the guy picked up. I still think they're going to try to trade Isringhausen. They might. And they're going to uh, showcase him. That's, that's a perfectly reasonable argument, especially if Parnell shows something during this next 11 days or, or beyond that if they do a, a waiver trade. Meanwhile in Philly, Antonio Bastardo gets the save seventh in seven save chances. He's owned in 45% of leagues. Ryan Madsen allowed a run in his last outing uh, in, in relief. They're trying to kind of ease him back into the closer's role for now. And then, of course, there's Brad Lidge. But what's, what's your take on that situation now? Anything changed? Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I think Madsen's the guy they want there. And uh, they'll eventually go back to him. But Bastardo has been amazing all year. And I, I think he could do a really good job for them. Uh, if they wanted to stick with him, ERA under one still. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they just decided to keep things as the way they are. But at the same time, I don't think they will do that. Al, I want to talk about Melky Cabrera. He is not going away. He homered yesterday, hitting around 300, scored a run in six straight games. Buy or sell Melky Cabrera? Well, definitely not sell. Um I suppose buy if uh, there's if you can find an owner that thinks that uh, he's he's going to go away, but there's really no signs of that. Uh, it's been a good run producer, uh, you know, decent power, not great for an outfielder, but uh, you know certainly good enough to be starting in standard mixed leagues. So he, uh, he, I added him to the must start list in this wow. last hitting planner, which that's like a sacred thing. It, it is. You I don't get, just get thrown right. on no, the must-start hey, list. Hunter Pence hasn't been on there. I've been getting heat for that all year. Uh, Mike Stanton hasn't been on there all year. Uh, he's been on there off and on, I guess. But a, a lot of good players haven't been on there. Melky Cabrera's <laughs> on there, and I think he's going to be on there to stay. Does that mean you'd rather have Melky Cabrera than Hunter Pence? <sighs> I guess it does. Wow. I don't like Hunter Pence that much, though, I, as a fantasy player, which is part of the issue. It doesn't mean I'd rather have Milky Cabrera than Mike Stanton, though, since okay. I, I did throw his name in that mix there. I, I think the potential for Stanton to have a huge second half is enough to take him over Milky. We are moving on to Danny Duffy. Seven innings, two earned runs allowed by Duffy against the White Sox. He struck out six, and he's been pretty solid lately, and he's only owned an 11% of leagues. Yeah, he's been better than he was in his first handful of starts and really improving his command. Uh, yeah. The one worry, uh, thing to worry about uh, going forward is uh, still a, a proneness to give up home runs. He's given up six in the last five starts. Hasn't really been hurt too badly by it, but that's something that can come back and, and uh, bite Duffy. So 
Should still be in more than 11% of leagues, though. Yeah, I think he's moving up. Like Al said, the command issue. Uh, he walked two in the game last night, had only one walk in each of the previous four starts, and that was after averaging three and a half walks in his first six, and that was when he was going you know, five or six innings at a time. So he was walking everybody at the beginning, walking nobody now, and that's usually the biggest hurdle for young left-handed pitchers to overcome. Quite a night for Cameron Mabin. Two hits, drove in a run, scored a run, a walk and two steals and four steals in four games since the All-Star break. Mabin is owned in 36% of leagues. Well, you know, there's two sides to the two angles you can take on those four steals. And one is that, you know, the Padres do like to run aggressively, and Mabin certainly has the, the speed to rack up some steals. But um, John Buck was just miserable behind the plate last <laughs> night. So uh, he definitely gets an assist there on, on some of those steals. Um, he didn't even try throwing on a, on a couple of them. So, uh, it's, you know, anytime a, a player gets four steals, you know that he's not going to repeat that very often. But uh, this was a pretty unusual circumstance. Four steals in, in four games. Two oh, steals four game, last oh, night. Uh, sorry, two, two steals. So yeah. uh, I think it was at least one of those steals last night uh, Buck did not attempt to throw. But we did have a player steal three bases last night. And that was, I think, Rajay Davis. Yes, Rajay Davis stole three. And he didn't uh, even start the game. He didn't? No. Was wow. Pinch ran and got a single and got three steals out of it. Jeez. I know. Uh, Dexter Fowler or Cameron Mabin? Uh, I, I guess I got to go with Mabin, but I, I don't like Mabin. I, I just don't. I just trust Mabin to get more playing time. Yeah, That's really exactly. all it comes down to. I think they've got some similar problems. Dustin Pedroia has a 17-game hitting streak, and he has reached base safely in 29 straight games. Meanwhile, Yunel Escobar has reached base safely in 23 straight games, and he went three for four Tuesday night. Anything on those two guys, or shall we move on? Uh, I think we know who they are. And uh, Pedroia is interesting because of uh, the way he's, he's done this in the summer months before, just turned it up and gone completely off the charts. And he might be the best second baseman of fantasy from now to the end of the season. Well, is, is Escobar surprising you, Scott? Because I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say we know who he is because I would have thought that this was above and beyond <laughs> I your expectations. Right. No, it was coming into the season. I, I didn't know who he was, and I thought he was on a premature decline um, and just didn't have the heart to be a baseball player, quite frankly. But uh, he's done this all year, so... Speaking in terms of this season, I think we know who he is. They are who we think they exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say that. They are who we thought they were. You got the I quote, think, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bart, I was going to say it, but I was going to get the quote right. Bartolo <laughs> Colon. Al, you actually recommended Bartolo Colon, and I'll give you some credit for that. Six and a third in Tampa Bay. Two runs, nine strikeouts. Uh, very impressive. I wish I started him over Brandon Beachy. Yeah. yeah, well, and I rated Beachy higher than Colon, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to you know, not uh, – celebrate my uh, recommendation to Cologne for too long there. But I did say that, uh, you know, it seemed like his difficulties were something he could rebound from, and, and he did here, so that's good to see. Mike Leake, six innings, two hits, one run in Pittsburgh, owning half of our leagues. Yeah, Intrigued? Uh, I am. I, I've picked him up in a few mixed leagues already. I like the direction he's going. Okay, two-run homer for Carlos Guillen. Do we need to see more before we discuss? 
I think so. All right, uh, we'll table been, him for a later show. Just been a few games for him. Dylan G bounces back. Seven innings against the Cardinals. Two runs on just three hits. He only struck out two, but got to like three hits in seven innings. <clears throat> you do. You also have to like 64 strikes and 96 pitches because he's also a guy who has struggled with command recently uh, and no line drives against him at all. So clearly a very effective start for G and uh, against a good lineup too. G or Leak? Leak. Okay, he's owned in slightly less leagues than Dylan G. Mariner shortstop Brendan Ryan, three for six with a home run and a stolen base yesterday. Anybody care? No. Yeah, we, we knew who Ryan was. We, we, we <laughs> saw this power coming yeah, in. Right. <laughs> he's only owned in 4% of leagues. Uh, and Unieski Betancourt was listening to yesterday's show, and Al totally dissed on Betancourt, and then he went out and hit two home runs. You know what? I don't blame Al for dissing on Unieski Betancourt because – I think he's he's definitely in the argument for worst everyday player in the majors, considering <laughs> he doesn't play defense. Um, you know, maybe not the worst offensive player, but all combined, a- and he's on the lower end of offensive players. This is when he does something right. This is what he does. He'll he'll have stretches where he might hit a few homers, but absolutely nothing in between. Doesn't get on base. Doesn't steal bases. Uh, He's nothing. But he is a podcast listener, apparently. Yeah, so, he is. apparently. And Al, if you wouldn't mind ripping on like maybe Hanley Ramirez, I could use a little help in the podcast <laughs> league this week. All right, a couple more notes. Andy Chavez homer Tuesday, and he's hitting three forty seven. I know he doesn't play every day. Does he have any value in AL only leagues? I think I've asked this question before. That batting average just really stands out for Andy Chavez. Yeah, he doesn't play every day, but he is on the right side of a platoon situation, so that does make him viable in AL only. And uh, the power's been a little bit of a surprise, but the batting average uh, can be good. Not 347 all the way, but yeah, n- enough to make him worthwhile. And do you guys have any thoughts on Alexio Gondo and his eight scoreless innings against the Angels with five strikeouts? Yeah, I feel like he's less of a sell-high candidate than Michael Pineda is. I, you know, You'd rather after, have after Ogando what, the rest of the I, year? I would rather have Ogando the rest of the year. After what the Rangers did with C.J. Wilson in a similar situation, I think Ogando is probably in pretty good shape. And I just wanted to mention that Albert Pujols, as great and robotic as he is, leads baseball with 22 double plays. So he's not perfect. And that is at the plate, I'm assuming, and not in the field. Yes, grounded into 22 (laughs) double plays. Let's quick pitch. Scott's AL player is Josh Reddick, 11% ownership. He has started in 7% of leagues. He had three more hits last night, and he's hitting 367. Hitting 367, OPS at 1089. Now, I know you and Al talked about Reddick a little yesterday, but I'm going to add my two cents now. I think... It's looking more and more likely, even with Carl Crawford back, that he's going to play uh, on a regular, semi-regular basis for the Red Sox. Um, I know you guys were speculating whether or not he would bump J.D. Drew for playing time, and Terry Francona's comment on the situation uh, was interesting. It seemed to indicate that he's thinking of doing just that, and he compared it to the Jed Lowry situation earlier in the year where if the young guy's producing as well as Reddick has been, He's got to be the one in the lineup, and J.D. Drew's a free agent in the offseason, so it's not like they have anything they need to protect with him long term. It just makes sense, and and I buy into the performance to a certain degree. I don't know that he's going to be a 300 hitter, but uh, entering 2010, he was the number 75 prospect, according to Baseball America, so 
was considered a a high end guy, somebody who could be an impact player in the majors. So while I think the platoon situation he would be in would limit him to AL only leagues for now, uh, if he keeps performing, he could get a bigger chunk of that playing time and, and potentially potentially have some mixed league viability. So somebody to watch going forward. Now one thing to note though, read on our site today that the Red Sox are interested in Carlos Beltran. Yeah, they make a, a trade a for an outfielder, with, that would be A team bad. with their resources, the young players could always get pushed aside. So yeah. that, that is something to watch also. Al's AL player is the best name in sports history, Al Albuquerque, reliever for the Tigers. That's it. I just wanted to hear you say <laughs> <laughs> Well, Scott's NL... No. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he's more than just a great name. Um, he's a, a really great option uh, for middle relief in deeper leagues and one that might be a little bit buried because uh, he doesn't have as many innings as guys like let's say Tyler Clippard uh, you know guys that you'd find uh, you know further up uh, in the rankings but um, he's been solid in fact he's averaged about three fantasy points per inning which is more than Clippard and more than David Pauly and some of the I know I'm probably forgetting a couple of big names uh, but he's been as good as any middle reliever. He has 50 strikeouts and 31 and a third innings. Wow. So soak that in. That is uh, a crazy, crazy rate. He just came off the DL, which is also partly what made me think about him. But now that he's back and he's uh, pitching uh, in those deeper leagues, uh, definitely somebody to check out. And let's talk about the little guy, Jose Altuve, Scott Zeno, quick pitch. So called up by the Astros after the trade. And, you know, actually, I don't even think we talked about Kepinger to the Giants. So just real quick, you know, does, does that mean anything? Yeah, we didn't talk about Kepinger. He's going to take over at second base where they're trying to mix and match with Freddie Sanchez out using uh, Emmanuel Burris, who for some reason is still getting at bats, and <laughs> Miguel Tejada and a few others. Burris worse than Betancourt? He's not He's not really an everyday player. Uh, right, but, right. yeah, I would say he's worse than Betancourt. Um so Kepinger's value probably stays about the same, which is on the lower end for a middle, for a, more of an NL only guy than a mixed league guy. Let's talk but Altuve. Yeah, moving on to Altuve, he's the guy who replaces Kepinger, and that's definitely the asterisk plan for him. Um, Brad Mills said, I had to think of the Astros manager's name there. Brad Mills said Altuve is definitely in the lineup today, and he's going to be his second baseman. That's why they called him up. And it's not surprising considering the numbers in the minors. Like I said at the top of the show, breakout season, 389 batting average and 357 at-bats, a 10-17 OPS, 22 doubles, 10 triples, 10 home runs. So the little guy has some pop. How much people are divided on because – because he's so little, there's a lot of skeptics out there. A lot of people think he's going to be a platoon uh, utility player at best. Um, and, but you know, since moving up from the California League, he's he's maintained a high batting average, 361. Half of his 10 homers have come there at, at Double A uh, uh, Round Rock, I think it is. Uh, Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, yeah. right. And uh, which is a good place to hit, but. Um, Still, I, I think the fact that he's been able to maintain that high batting average against higher competition says a lot. And uh, I know one of the prospect hounds for one of the major sites out there actually ranks him among his top 50 prospects for the second half. Paul Goldschmidt, who we've talked about on the show a lot, mm -hmm. wasn't on that list. So at least he thinks Altuve could be better than Goldschmidt, which makes 
which is just another reason why you should consider uh, picking him up in deeper leagues. All right, well, I'm going to throw this out there. As one of the shorter guys around here, Jose Altuve is now my new favorite player. That does All right. Is, are you taller than Jose Altuve? Yeah, I mean, I'm 5'9". Oh, okay. 5'8 and a half, 5'9". So, yes, I am taller. Well, do, do you like Jeff Kepinger? How tall is he? I, I don't know. He's got to be taller than 5'5". Five, five. The, 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 the way I'm going here is you like Don Hell Sanchez. Uh-huh. You like Altuve. I think you just, you're, you're fixated um, <laughs> on Keystone in Houston. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, no, I don't like Kepinger. To hell with Kepinger. All right, Chin Ming Wong <laughs> is Al's NL quick pitch. He's only owning 3% of leagues. Chin Ming Wong, everybody. Yeah, and you know what? I actually had planned to do two hitters today because I did, did two pitchers yesterday, but I couldn't resist Al Albuquerque. <laughs> and then this morning I saw a news item that uh, Chen Ming Wong made his uh, rehab start. I think it was his fifth one uh, on Tuesday night. And it looks like he is set to join the Nats rotation next week, Fantasy Week 17. Don't know where he fits in. There's rumors that Levon could be on the move, that Tom Gorzolani could be traded. But they want to get Wong into the rotation. So NL only owners looking for an arm. This is a guy that you could take a risk with, yes, he's injury prone. No, he's not going to give you strikeouts. But if he can be the ground ball pitcher he was with the Yankees uh, in his better years, uh, he could be more than productive enough for NL only. Probably won't win quite as many games as he yeah. used to with that that's, Nationals that's, lineup. That's, but, that's my concern with him. Yeah, but, you know, deep, deep leagues. Uh, all right. I like it. Rooting for him, too. But not as much as Jose Altuve. Let's go to the emails <laughs> at dmfantasybaseball.cbs.com. Jim and Phoenix is first. Okay, here we go. More Star Wars stuff. Uh, Dear Fantasy Jedis and potential Nerf Herder. That'd be me, Adam. So do you guys know what that is? Does that have anything to do with Nerf basketball? Or no. Probably not. Do you not. know what a Nerf Herder is? No. no. Well, I had to look it up. Apparently, Princess Leia calls Han Solo. That's uh, Yeah, Han Solo, he call, calls him a Nerf Herder. It's, um, it's like a derogatory comment. For someone who herds these animals, these nerfs, they're like buffaloes, I think. But I am picturing them as like little nerf animals. They're not. It has like nothing to do with foam. that. Okay. Uh, this term I, probably predates nerf footballs. <laughs> and apparently there's something called Wikipedia, like Wikipedia, but it's yeah. all Star Wars. So, yeah. Is that where you found it? Uh, somebody in the office found it for me on Wikipedia. <laughs> wow, this was quite the project. Here is Jim's question. I was offered Hanley Ramirez for Troy Tulowitzki. Do I pull the trigger now that Hanley is hot and may have the better upside? No. The upside, you say may have better upside, it, it's it's so close, and, and I don't even know that it's necessarily true. So I'd stick with Tulo, who is uh, the more proven commodity at this point. Well, that's interesting because I was going to actually talk about this tomorrow. Um, I saw a Dear Mr. Fantasy email that you got, Scott, that said somebody was offered Hanley for Jose Reyes and Phil Hughes. And I just thought Hanley's value is so intriguing right now because over the last 28 days, he's been the best shortstop in fantasy. And he's really hitting and he's stealing bases and doing a lot right now. Yeah, I still think I'd prefer Jose Reyes to him. And uh, I'm, not real, I'm not trying to knock Hanley because I know he was the number two pick coming into the year. And I think he's more or less back. But there's, he's, he's given me enough reason for doubt with as awful as he was in the first half that... Uh, Tulo and, and Reyes both, I, I think, are still more valuable than him. Yeah, I, um, 
you know, I was sorry, just thinking back to this, you know, email that we got today. And I just, you know, I think Ramirez and Tulo are, they're just, they're pretty equal. Yeah. So I don't see the point in swapping one for the other. So, okay, the PS here from Jim is Adam. Concluding the original Star Wars trilogy is awful. Based on seeing The Return of the Jedi is like seeing Godfather 3 and assuming the first two movies were similarly lame. Get on Netflix and see the original movies or take your place as a nerf herder. I just need to clarify that I actually think Star Wars is awful based on the original episode 4 that I can't stand. I can't get through 15 minutes. So that's my final word about Star Wars today. Liz Rosher in East Haven, Connecticut. Liz, I might have pronounced your name differently every time I've read your emails. Sorry. Uh, Rosher or Rosher. A little pronunciation guide next time, I guess. Uh, Sorry about that. I've been offered a trade in my 14-team Roto Points League. I'd give up Brandon Morrow and get Niger Morgan and Giovanni Soto. What is a Roto Points League? Yeah, I don't know. So you mean points accumulate but no record? So like head to head without the record, the matchups. So just points. I, I think it's. A, I think it's. A, I would guess it's just a standard roto league as opposed to um, right where you get like, points head to head. Um, yeah, I'm, right. I'm confused too. <laughs> I give up Brandon Morrow and get Niger Morgan and Giovanni Soto. I think I have to make this trade as my catcher is Miguel Olivo. Okay, the question is. She gives her lineup and then says, "Should I drop Fuentes and which one or two of these waiver wire guys?" Do you think are the best to replace Morrow and or Fuentes? Um, Aaron Harang, Mark Burley, Homer Bailey, Jeff Neiman, John Lannon, Carl Pavano, Tommy Hunter. Harang, Burley, Bailey, Neiman, Lannon, Pavano, Hunter. Who do you like there? Well, I like Neiman. Um, I think what he's done out of the last three starts is a sign of, of more good things to come from him. Uh, we saw that from him the first half or even a little more than the first half of last season. So uh, I do like Neiman as a replacement for Fuentes. I'm not crazy about uh, Liz giving up Morrow, uh, though, for Morgan and Soto. Um, I, you know, I think she's got the right idea to upgrade from Olivo, but that's just uh, not quite enough for Morrow. Next email is from John in Houston. Dear Fantasy clairvoyance. I have a guy in my league that's interested in Bruce for the second half, considering his second half stats from last year. Would you trade away Mark Teixeira and Jay Bruce for Lance Berkman and Carl Crawford in a 12-team head-to-head points league? I'm in first place. So giving up Teixeira and Bruce for Berkman and Crawford. I would probably do that. Yeah, I think the upside from Bruce to the upgrade from Bruce to Crawford is less than the downgrade from to share to Berkman. And Steve G in Joliet, Illinois. Joliet. Joliet. As a Oh yeah, the I the I would have to be in another would yeah. have to be before the L. Joliet, Illinois. Twelve team head to head you know what? I made it classier. Twelve team <laughs> head to head league. Need a shortstop. Should I drop Eduardo Nunez for Suyoshi Nishioka rest of the season? Ugh. I'm going to tell you something about Nishioka because we, us, we look at the something. box scores all, every day. I never notice him. He is a consistent like 0 for 3 or 1 for 4 every day. I skip over him when I look at the box scores. Every day. guy does nothing. I was going to say if he's consistent 1 for 4, at least he'd be batting 250. <laughs> but he's not. He's batting, I think, 217. So. 0 for 3 or 1 for 4 every day. Uh, gosh, I, I think I would stay the course with Nunez and, and look for something better down the road when, when Nunez loses his playing time because I just, I just don't see Nishioka really being 
worth rostering even uh, in a deep league like that. I mean, obviously has some value, but you could probably do better. Mike in Detroit. Dear, okay, I don't, I don't get this reference. Dear Fantasy Baseball Projections in reference to the movie Inception. You see Inception? Didn't see it, so I'm no help here. Uh, yeah, I saw I've, it, but I've I don't remember it. the projections thing. Uh, it's a pretty broad reference, I think, because projections were referred to anything that the dreamer's mind was coming up with, I think. Oh, okay. So. Okay. <laughs> All yeah. right, Mike, I can dig it. Which of the following starting pitchers would you want for the rest of the season? Javier Vasquez, Jeff Carstens, Jeff Neiman. Vasquez, Carstens, Neiman. I won't answer this. Wait, I, I think Al's going to say Neiman. <laughs> Scott's going to say Vasquez. And I'm going to say, where's the love for Jeff Carstens? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I, I think that's the way I would lean. I, I have Vasquez and I don't have Carstens. But it's... It's hard to just leave Karstens unowned at this point, I think, as, as much as we all doubt him. <laughs> okay. Uh, and finally, Richard from Highland, Michigan. Getting tired of poor performances from Francisco Liriano. Would you consider dropping him for any of the following? Matt Latos, Phil Hughes, John Danks. I would not. What, what, what poor performances Yeah, see, this is the thing. I, there's I, a perception, and I, I have the same perception, that Liriano has some stinkers. You guys are always higher on Liriano than I expect you to be. Well, well, Both look what of he you did are... last night. I yeah, mean, no, he was, he was good last night. He was fine, and, and going into that game, I think it was like a 321 ERA over nine starts. Yeah, but he does. I think the problem is he has really bad outings sometimes. He does. He does. And it isn't, it's not like – I think some, some people have been lumping him in with Ubaldo yeah. uh, because both had such bad and disappointing starts. But Ubaldo's been consistently good since that bad start. Liriano – has had a stinker here and a stinker there, you know. Oh yeah, no, no hitter and you know dominant <laughs> performance here, but yeah, he's been he's been all over the map, Liriano. So, um, but still a lot more high than low. I mean, yeah, John Lester has stinkers. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so but, all right, well yeah, anyway, Liriano, Latos, Hughes, <laughs> Danks. Uh, I would go Liriano by far. I wouldn't, but not by far. I really had to think about Latos and Hughes, and Hughes in particular, I think, could be a big surprise in the second half. But I will. Join Scott in going with Liriano here. <laughs> That's it for today. Back with Social Media Thursday tomorrow at CBS Fantasy News on Twitter, Facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy, excuse me, Facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy. Producers Matt Brodsky, I'm Adam Azer with Scott White and Al Melchior. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>